I'm Alex Marlowe, and on today's Breitbart News Daily podcast, I begin with the latest on the left's efforts to handle the Alito opinion as horribly as possible. It could overturn Roe versus Wade, and we're seeing some protests pop up across the country. These protests are often pathetic and occasionally violent, but they just simply pale in comparison to the power that some of the protests from the few years past that we've seen from the left. We break it all down. Also in the beginning of the show, we get into Truth Minister Nina Jankovic's insistence that it's actually liberals who are being censored online. She's a nut, but she's also being granted a lot of power by our government. Then Elon Musk's Tesla will pay for your abortion, and the next White House press secretary is married to a CNN anchor. Sounds legit. Also in the beginning of the show, I give you some details about the flagging stock market, Dr. Fauci whining about misinformation, and Target promoting products for quote-unquote trans children, and more. Our guest today is Colin Wayne. Uh, Colin is not only a veteran, a steel entrepreneur, and an online influencer, but he's also a fitness model. He's got an amazing success story and a keen understanding of how made-in-America business owners are not protected by our government, and if anything, they're discriminated against. And he's a lot of wisdom to offer that we can all apply to our lives. You'll enjoy it, I promise. All that to come, let's roll it. begin with uh, some abortion Supreme Court news, and I am curious if any of you are unimpressed with the amount of protests and the amount of activism that's gone on across the country, considering how the issue of abortion and woman's right to terminate a pregnancy is uh, been considered throughout my lifetime as the number one issue for people on the left uh, without a a close second. Uh, I think it was summed up pretty nicely by a very large man named John Fetterman, who appears to not have a lot of connection directly to the issue. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, running for Senate in Pennsylvania, who has said that the right to an abortion is sacred. It's a sacred thing. So uh, it is um, a there is no more extreme term you could use, I don't think. And he is, I think, shares a viewpoint that most of the establishment Democrat Party has. I think it's the mainstream viewpoint. Mainstream viewpoint is abortion is not just a right, it's a sacred right. Uh, Remember, we have shout your abortion. We have people like Lena Dunham, who is the Hollywood actress who says she wishes she had had an abortion. So, and then considering that, uh, how, how big are the protests have been? They really haven't been particularly big if you consider that. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting point that John Nolte's been making at Breitbart. Is that, and we've had the footage for you at Breitbart. We had it uh, overnight as well. Pro-abortion leftists at uh, Justice uh, the Alito's house. Judge Kavanaugh's at Justice Kavanaugh's house. Uh, Bill Barr, the former attorney general, suggested this is actually a federal crime to go to a judge's house. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe people are afraid they're actually going to go to jail for a while if they show up, which they shouldn't do. Of course, you shouldn't show up at private homes. Um, the, uh, the addresses of the private homes shouldn't be listed, but I guess you're, anyone can find it now if they work hard enough and they dislike you enough. Um, but the fact that there's a few hundred people showing up at a Supreme Court justice's home for a sacred right, uh, you would think, considering what had happened in previous iterations of the protest culture that we've seen, most notably the Summer of Love in 2020, where there was outright rioting because of one person who was uh, uh, George Floyd, who was killed by a cop or appears to have been killed by a cop and seems like certainly was not good behavior by the cop. I mean, we'll, we'll see how the appeals process goes, but we all know what we think we saw with George Floyd incident. And then what happened? We had months of protesting and rioting all across the country. So people were jacked up and that was over one incident, an incident that some people suggested was emblematic of broader culture within America and in the police force, which is mostly not true. Uh, and I think that there's going to be, uh, I think that, I think history will reset that narrative to a degree. 
All things considered, are you kind of surprised that there hasn't been more uh, violence, more protests, etc.? And why do you think that is, if you agree? Is it because um, the normal American does not feel nearly as passionate about this issue? In fact, as technology has gotten better, people have gotten uh, more open-minded to the idea that abortion isn't an absolute deal, that maybe there's some nuance to it. Maybe, in fact, it's not a great thing. Do you think perhaps that's part of it? Or think perhaps part of it, it's political because the Democrats are probably a combination of kind of beaten down from the bad year and a half of the Joe, big Joe administration and the fact that this might not be a winning issue for them overall. I mean, the right to terminate pregnancies late in the, the in terms of late term abortion in particular is not a popular issue. Early term probably is overall early, but that's not what, Roe v. Wade says, according to the current statute, it says that it grants rights, you know, California, as we discussed last week, would like to have fourth trimester abortions. That's what they're working on. They already got third trimester. They're working on the fourth. And it is causing some infighting within the Democrat Party, particularly out in California. Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom, for example, um, I think we're kind of sparring over the weekend in terms of uh, how much hardcore activism must be done. So that is, uh, so, so that, that was a very interesting take from Nolte. Uh, we'll continue on some other highlights on on this one or lowlights that there's, we are seeing some, again, I'm not trying to dismiss that there aren't some protests that are bad and, and somewhat disturbing. I mean, we had some footage of Breitbart of a mass in a, a big cathedral in Los Angeles that was interrupted by uh, Handmaiden's Tale protesters. And just, but it just, there wasn't that many of them. And they interrupt a mass in, you know, LA. I don't know what, uh, the those of you who have gone to church in LA, as I've done hundreds of times over the years, not exactly a incubator of right-wing thought. So it's pretty much across the board, left of center people. Every once in a while, they'll mention abortion. Maybe once a year, you'll get one prayer. There's a call for abolishing the court from protesters. Again, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just too silly. Just seems like, you know, after Trump won huge demonstrations. Remember the marches with the pink hats? Where's the protest culture? Where'd it go? People just that fried over it? Uh, the Writers Guild in Hollywood has suggested Hollywood abandon production in pro-life states. I'm curious to see if they will do that. I, I don't think they will. I just don't because I think the, the pro-life states have better tax rate. And I think ultimately, uh, most production, they're trying to save as much money as they can because it's money that can be recouped by investors if the films do well. But it's also, it's all sort of a, almost all films are done in a way that's not a glamorous thing. They're trying to save, put as much money as they can into either marketing or getting a great product on a camera. They're not looking to spend more on taxes. They're not trying to spend extra money on taxes because that money can go elsewhere. Any penny that's saved in taxes is money that can be spent on marketing or making the product better. So... Lori Lightfoot has suggested $500,000 in funding that she's going to be allocating for non-Chicagoans to get abortions. Uh, people seeking abortions in Chicago from neighboring states. She's uh, poning that up. And she says it's a down payment. So it's the start of something. So we're going to get more. We're going to get more of that. I have to say, and I mean, I'm going back to Friday on this one, but I do want any thoughts from the audience on this one that Elon Musk saying that Tesla is going to cover travel costs for employees seeking out-of-state abortions. Everyone's hero, Elon Musk. Most he's he's actually like a he's like an Avenger. He's like a superhero. He's like a superhero who funds his employees to travel to get abortions now. Uh, I was were there people on the right who were critical of this when this came out Friday cuz I, I admit sometimes on weekends I uh, have I'm always, I'm always in the news, but I'm, I don't know if I uh, admit it to the point where I'm keeping an eye on all the Musk fangirls on the right. Uh, I wonder if they weighed in on this one. Paying for employees to slaughter the unborn so that they can, what, have more time moving up the ranks of Tesla? Or Facebook or Amazon? 
hey, why would you give those years to starting a family when you can try to go from middle management to slightly above middle management at Disney? Ooh, man, we got to sell those theme park tickets. Got to sell them. And if we sell them, I'll be happy. Because then I can go from junior regional manager to senior regional manager. I'm not mocking people who are who are ambitious career-wise, but I mean, you join a corporation and you move up a corporate ladder and to think that you could, you know, kill your children because it, you could benefit in your corporate, uh, in the pursuit of your corporate um, ambitions is something that is, it's a little dark for me. And that the companies are now reimbursing people to get this procedure is something that is something that I don't think that that is um, the spirit of all of those people who protest on behalf of abortion rights 50 years ago saying it needs to be safe, legal, and rare. Remember that language, safe, legal, and rare? Now it's Musk will cover your travel costs if you need to get an abortion out of state. Nice. Other headlines in this regard, Bette Midler says that every woman and girl should take a knee during the national anthem. Oh, when it is. So when is this? I mean, like at a WNBA, like the WNBA should do it. What other collections of women, I guess, are we seeing? Is there a, are we in the middle of women's soccer season? People watch women's soccer. And they take a knee anyway. It's, it's kind of funny. I, I just, the suggestions of empty gestures, it makes you show, it shows you how not far along um, the Democrats are in this process. They're just not that prepared if Roe gets overturned, which it hasn't yet, by the way. The White House is a little schizophrenic on their messaging here because they simultaneously have said vandalism of Catholic churches and pro-life centers is unacceptable, but they're also saying we understand the passion. Ironically, there isn't probably as much passion as he anticipated. But Jen Psaki, the outgoing White House press secretary, has not done a uh, not done a good job, I think, condemning the protests at the private justices' homes. She's been asked about it repeatedly, and her answers have been pretty flat. I think eventually she's going to have to she's going to have to do it. But she's definitely not. She wants to encourage the intensity. She just, I think, would prefer it was directed in ways that are not necessarily federal crimes. But this is the thing. The Democrats need this issue to be galvanizing. And thus far, the evidence is not there to suggest that it is um, it is galvanizing people. Actress Ashley Judd said that motherhood should always be a choice. It's a Mother's Day message she put out. Uh, the implication that you are powerless to choose if you get pregnant is very odd that people don't discuss that there are a lot of personal choices that tend to go into the vast, 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 vast majority of pregnancies. And not to say that reasonable adults couldn't have a conversation about the other few times about what the law should be. And I'll tell you, most people who I think are pro-life would think that the law should be, it goes to the states. And then maybe you can get a great job at a company like Tesla and they'll pay for you to go to a state where you can choose what to do with your pregnancies. But to act as though there are choices that are made along the way that do result in pregnancies. Um, maybe we need to send a Miss Judd back to a seventh grade health class. So there's, there's some useful information there. She seems to be lacking or else she's lying to you. That's always a possibility. World Health Organization Chief Tedros, who's responsible for so many lives lost, non-doctor who spent a month ignoring the coronavirus pandemic um, and uh, taking China's line as opposed to uh, taking Taiwan's line, which was suggesting that the COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, was spreading rapidly amongst people, ignored for a, a, a month, and basically towed the party line for China the whole way through, which is why he will remain in that position for the foreseeable future. But he's in favor of abortion because his restrictions of it drives women and girls towards unsafe procedures, and thus abortions save lives. Pretty good. It's pretty strained logic. Abortion is going to save lives. There's so many lies going on. It's sometimes hard to keep up with all of them. Elizabeth Warren, who has been hysterical on the issue, as we played some of the clips on the show, 
says that same-sex marriage and interracial marriage are imperiled by the draft Roe versus Wade decision, which is not true. So this is where she's either lying to you or she's an idiot. And we know she's not an idiot. So she's Harvard professor. So I don't think there are any dumb Harvard professors. There's corrupt ones. There might be evil ones. But I don't know if there's dumb ones. And um, the Justice Alito's opinion makes very clear that the reason why the, the, the whole basis of his decision, or what would be his decision if it turns out to be his decision, is that because you have to at least consider the possibility that there is another life in the picture, that the life in the womb is a life that's a real life, and thus should have rights. So it has nothing to do with same-sex marriage, it has nothing to do with interracial marriage, which is ridiculous because that would presume that Justice Thomas has no influence over the court's conservatives at all because he's in an interracial marriage, and I'm guessing he won't be nullifying his own marriage. Just a guess. That's not going to happen. So do you think John Roberts is going to overturn interracial marriage? I mean, it's just unbelievable. That, that, that would be a suggestion that there's a single vote on the Supreme Court to overturn that. There's not one. I, I bet you there's not one. I'd be willing to bet big money. I'd be willing to bet an autographed copy of Pow Wow Chow, Elizabeth Warren's Native American cookbook that she was participated in, where she wrote a recipe for a crab cream cheese concoction. Because we all know the American Indians are associated with crab and cream cheese. This is all real, by the way. I know um, some of you who are new to the show think I'm doing crazy talk. Elizabeth Warren, when she was being a fake Indian, uh, put out, she was part of a cultural cookbook uh, called Pow Wow Chow, where she wrote a recipe that involved crab and cream cheese somehow. Um, but continuing, can, uh, continuing with the lie, New York Times uh, wrote that uh, overturning Roe v. Wade means ending interracial marriage. So they keep putting it out there, even though if you've read the opinion and not just the summaries that MSNBC pundits have put out in cable news clips, then you would know that that's not on the in the picture here. It's simply about lying to people. I find all that incredibly ironic when you hear things like Anthony Fauci, who gave a commencement speech at the University of Michigan over the weekend, where he lamented that so-called news, uh, so-called news organizations are normalizing untruths. From a guy who is the highest federal paid employee in flip-flop so many times it's hard to keep up on abortion. I'm sorry, abortion, on, on, on coronavirus. From mass to distancing to when it's a pandemic. By the way, we're, in, we're back in the pandemic now, which we all knew. The coronavirus numbers now are not good. There is more virus and there's as many deaths now as there was last year. So uh, again, the any sort of relaxation of coronavirus policies is people finally admitting that they just can't get on top of it completely. And so many people have been exposed that a lot of the cases are so mild that we just can't, and the economy's in bad shape anyway, so we can't keep shutting everything down. We'll get a little more on economy later. But uh, Fauci dismissed mass as paranoid, and then, of course, he was all for it. He knew the drugstore masks are not really effective, and then he's advocated on the behalf of the masks over and over again. So even though he calls for forced masking, he's been caught maskless so many times and showing up at events, you know, parties, galas, etc., baseball games, and not wearing his mask properly. This goes on and on. So, but he uh, laments the fake news organizations normalizing untruths. You know, if only the government would help us with the untruths and maybe they could come up with an agency or perhaps a ministry of truth where they could determine what really is the truth. Um, the ministry of truth is still on as far as we know. And the incredibly dynamic and hilarious Nina Jankovitz was... Uh, is still her passes of the people are, are going through it. And another video has come out of her suggesting that it's not conservatives that are being silenced on social media. It's actually liberals and minorities. Imagine being a liberal minority on Twitter. Whew. Man, you're going to be silenced, double silenced. Or does it cross cancel? If you're a liberal and a minority, does that mean you're allowed on because it is it like a double negative? I'm guessing not. I'm guessing... um 
probably, probably, probably still censored in her view. So, but this suggestion, I mean, even people on the left are just going like, oh, come on, it's ridiculous. Glenn Greenwald tweeted that Homeland Security's new disinformation czar claims it's often liberal voices being silenced on social media, particularly minority voices. He, he writes, I'm aware of some dissident left-wing voices being banned, but which prominent liberals have been silenced or banned on social media? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. How did Homeland Security find one of the top 10 most ridiculous people in the country to run their new ministry of truth? Was this some sort of trolling exercise? Yeah, it's a great question. Someone who is so dishonest and so wrong so often and in such an absurd fashion, um, you have to think that they wouldn't have done it any differently if they were just trying to make fun of people. If they're just trying to make uh, light of the situation for people, if they're just trying to make it so that folks like you and I were maximally triggered, uh, you would think they wouldn't have behaved any differently than this. Let's first create a government bureau of truth and let's put the most ridiculous individual possible in charge of it who's lied in so many, so many instances publicly and in such a ridiculous fashion. I mean, you can't draw it up any better. The problem is, is these people are going to have real power, conceivably. The incoming White House press secretary who will start this weekend is a lady named Corrine Jean-Pierre, who I mentioned on the show, and she's a big liar as well. She's a history of putting out disinformation about election integrity issues in particular, and incredibly partisan person. Well, she works for you know Democrats, so that's fine. But it attacks Republicans in a dishonest way all the time. Um, but the thing that's most important here to mention, as I noted in Breaking the News, raised a red flag about this, uh, she's married to an anchor at CNN, a lady named Suzanne Malvo, who's the national correspondent in Washington. So a person who tracks Washington for CNN is married to the person who's going to be the White House press secretary. And this is something that actually got a fair bit of attention. I'm wondering if I they fired off a tweet on this. And it ended up, I think, leading to articles in the New York Post and the Daily Mail and maybe a dozen others. Lead story in the New York Post. It's kind of surprising. I read the New York Post and I read the Daily Mail. And it's fun when you're just reading. And you're like, hey, that's me. And it's not because I did something stupid or someone's misinterpreting something I said to make it look like I did something stupid. Uh, but that happened. But still, what's being done about it? She's going to get the job. And CNN, who, of course, had their Cuomo scandal and, of course, had where one of their anchors was literally advising the embattled governor of New York, um, whose ratings are uh, in the toilet. The fives ratings are now five or six times more than Jake Tapper's ratings at the same time. Jake Tapper is supposed to be their best guy, and he's getting one fifth the ratings of the five on Fox News. And now they've got the White House press secretary. I mean, they're literally in bed together, literally in bed together. The press secretary and a CNN Washington national correspondent and anchor will uh, go about their business and then they will go home and they will be in the same bed. Unbelievable, right? No, it's entirely believable. It happens all the time. So, and we've just okayed it. It should be an outrage to everyone. But again, how do you, you can't be outraged about everything. It just gets too exhausting, doesn't it? it, it it's all of it's so exhausting. Target is collaborating with queer owned brands to sell chest binders. This is one of the things that uh, people, particularly those who are just going down their trans journey, uh, they will uh, wrap their chest with very severe wraps which does damage tissue, so it does have a lasting damage uh, anyway. But it makes it look like you have the chest of a boy. So for girls who are not uh, happy with their bodies because they don't believe they're girls. And uh, Target, Super Woke Corporation, all of a sudden has a lot of clarity on the issue of trans. The trans stuff is getting pretty freaky. Um, I definitely am under the impression there's going to be a big push a more of a push for mass cancellation over this issue and we all know that famously if you tweet that richard levine or rachel levine who's a man uh, is a man or one man of the year even though uh, rachel levine identifies as a woman um, then you can get thrown off of twitter well now uh, google is starting to demonetize people who put out trans content 
so accurate content about transgenderism is now they're trying to take away money from people. So this is a phenomenon that's happening. It has not been widely reported, but it will it will get more reported. And Target is you know selling stuff that is designed to help young girls, presumably children, uh, impersonate boys and damage their body in the process because they're getting encouraged by some of these freaks on TikTok, etc. Not say all trans people are, uh, are are all in the same group, but there is a effort to groom people into the trans cult. It's happening, widespread basis. The evidence is uh, unassailable at this point. And now we got major corporations coming in and just well, uh, and making it easy for people to start going down this road, a road that so many of them regret. That's why we need more fight back. The more we can fight back, the better. That's where we're seeing stuff like Ron DeSantis signing a bill mandating communism communism lessons in, in class is so amazing. You have to learn about the victims of communism. 45 minutes of instruction on victims of communism day in Florida. Love this stuff so much. It was a, I can't tell you, whenever I bring up these headlines from DeSantis uh, to family members and friends who are not as in the news as I am, they always just delight in it so much. And this is actually a good role of, look, if we're going to have government schools and instead of just spending all of our time on um, uh, on uh, gender studies and general wokeness, why not learn stuff that's actually important? Like how there are a lot of victims of communism throughout the world and we should know what happened to them. We should honor them in that way and we should make sure it never comes here and maybe it'll never come here. There's a better chance is that people are actually fluent in these subject matters and it's particularly good for Florida because Florida has so many people where it is a part of their cultural heritage. It actually is a part of their cultural heritage because there are so many people who are Cubans who are there because they or their family members had fled communism. So it's really good stuff. Um, And of course, people will be outraged by this. But that's just a good sign that's working, in my opinion. It's also interesting with all of the people who are opposed school choice. Imagine if you were someone who'd spent your lifetime opposing school choice and then now all of a sudden uh, Ron DeSantis is getting involved in your curriculum and he's demanding that people learn about uh, the, the ills of communism. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh boy, I wish I could go to a different school. But maybe you can't because you'd fought school choice your whole life. That's the moment the left finds itself in. I will throw out there, I don't have a ton to add beyond what's obvious, but the stock market's in pretty pretty brutal shape. Uh, Netflix is down almost three quarters year to date in in crazy numbers. But from Google to Tesla to Disney, Facebook, Uber, Amazon, I mean, all these places are down, I think over 20%, if not much more, up to 50% over the course of the year. And we don't know when this is going to rein itself in. So there is data coming on consumer price index. That's going to be on Wednesday. um, And the producer price index on Thursday, which are both indications of inflation. And we're going to see what the pace is. If the pace slows down, I think this will help things a lot. But it's just hard to know because we're living in an age now where it's hard to even get baby formula. Massive baby formula, formula shortages. And we're not talking about mainland China. We're talking about the United States of America. And, um, you know, I have to stock up. There's only one place reasonably close to me, not even in my neighborhood, that carries the formula we use. So I, I got to go out of my way to get it. And this is the type of thing that is perhaps why maybe to bring the segment full circle. Biden administration isn't going too far out of his way to focus on the abortion issue because limitless abortions just might not be the savviest political thing to focus on when people's retirements are getting crushed. They're getting crushed at the grocery store. They're getting crushed at the gas pump. I filled up for over $130 again yesterday. It seems like gas prices are going up. Um, they're getting the trans indoctrination, the schools buying their parents back. Maybe there's other stuff going on beyond the uh, third trimester abortions focus on right now.
as I mentioned on the show, we've been trying to reach out to people who are influential online, who follow Breitbart and appreciate us and interact with us on social media. And Colin Wayne is a super interesting guy. He's got millions and millions of followers across platforms because he has just had success in a lot of ways. He's a veteran and was a wounded warrior. And he became an entrepreneur and he makes home decor made of steel and all this is American made products. He's also very influential online and was a fitness model on the cover of some of the biggest fitness magazines there is. He just seems like a really interesting guy, God-fearing guy, and someone who shows a lot of discipline and resilience in his life and just something that I always benefit from hearing from folks like this, and I think you will too. Let's play the interview with Colin Wayne. He's the founder of Redline Steel, and he is an amazing a Made in America success story and is someone who I think keenly deals with day-to-day a lot of the stories we talk about more in the abstract on the show. So, Colin, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, could you Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, Alex. Thank you for having me. I uh, born and raised in Huntsville, Alabama, just like most families, born in a split home, so my mom primarily raised me. Uh, dropped out of high school at 16, joined the military at 17, and uh, began my military career as a military police officer. Uh, Made staff sergeant at 23 years old after three tours, Egypt, Iraq, and Afghanistan. I got blown up in Afghanistan in the Paktika province. Uh, 15 months later, after physical therapy, uh, lumbar block fusion surgery, and uh, shrapnel that uh, went all the way through my right leg, um, I was on the cover of Iron Man magazine, and so it began my fitness modeling career. And so that was about three years and landed 50-plus magazine covers from Alabama. Uh, so you don't have to live. I know, Alex, you're from Los Angeles, but you don't have to live out there. I did live out there for a little while, but uh, <laughs> I, I had some success because of uh, social media and grew my, my following early stages before Facebook even had ads and uh, grew that to a few million and was able to really just provide value uh, to different organizations and companies without the expectation of a what's in it for me mentality. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk says that jab, 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 right hook, give, 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 take. And I think that's a, a huge uh, advocate. And what we're seeing today is that that needs to come back is, you know, uh, what we see on the political side is, What's in it for them and the best interest of their family, not what's in the best interest of America. So we came across you, I think, Colin, mostly from your Instagram account and your big across social media platforms. But you've accumulated over half a million followers on Instagram uh, in particular, and it just seems like kind of the coolest of the platforms these days. I, I find them all somewhat repulsive, to be honest. To, but uh, Instagram may be the least of the bunch at this point. And uh, wh- what do you attribute your personal success there? Because it just seems like a a steel entrepreneur, you know, as a, that's a lot of followers. It is, yes, sir. So um, I, I would attribute a lot of it to, so I've got um, over 7 million followers across Facebook, and I was able to leverage different pages and grow my organic pages from uh, basically value attribution. Um, so back in the day, if you think seven, eight years ago when share for shares were really big, uh, now there nobody would do those now, but back in the day they really worked. And so cross-platform exposure was really, really big. And I think I'd attribute a lot of it just to the publications that I've been on the cover of, so Muscle yeah. Fitness, Iron Man, sure. Men's Fitness, and then, you know, We've spent over $15 million in advertising online, so there's a lot of uh, billions of it's so smart. And views through yeah, digital it, ads. And, and, I, and I will share, and I'm much more focused on the content creation side than the business side at, at Breitbart, but I'll tell you, uh, marketing is just, you have to do it, and, and you have to, to, to get into it because that really is the, the, is the key to growth, and so it makes sense that you invested in that way. Uh, but I want to talk, I mean, your story is just so unbelievable. So nerve damage, brain damage, shrapnel, and you decide, okay, now I'm going to be a, a fitness model. I'm going to get in impeccable shape. Did anyone tell you you couldn't do it? Uh, you know, I didn't really listen to naysayers. I mean, there was a lot of people that, you know, uh, nobody would see that this was even coming. But within my first 30 days, I had over half a million followers on Facebook, and I didn't know what I was doing. So you just kind of 
get started. And I believe in, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I believe that God opens doors and, and closes them for a reason. It's not my question to, to question him. And so things just continued to compound and doors became open. And I kind of started seeing that I can be a voice for the voiceless, which is why Memorial Day that's coming up is so important to me. Uh, we've my, my business has donated over $5 million to charities, nonprofits, um, first responders, medical staff, um, partnering with great uh, nonprofits like Habitat for Humanity, Midnight Mission, uh, USA Cares, which is who we're partnering with this year. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really important to me to use my platform and be a voice for those that, that are no longer here and to really pay tribute. You know, Memorial Day, when you think about I think of the world primarily in the United States as capitalism at its finest, and people capitalize on Memorial Day for promotions and sales when it loses its true meaning. Memorial Day, because I nearly got killed in Afghanistan and my son wouldn't grow up without a dad, um, uh, is that's why it's so important, because it's lost its meaning. Instead of a mattress sell, um, it, this is a day to do the opposite and to give without yeah. the expectation of a return. So, uh, again, Colin Wayne is my guest, and he's just an amazing story. And I want to talk about some of your businesses, but where are places that people want to follow your social media where you're so prolific? Uh, what do you recommend? Because you're all over the place. You're on YouTube, Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Uh, is there anything in particular you want to plug? Yeah, so Colin Wayne one. Uh, they're all verified, so Instagram, Twitter. I'm, I primarily am on Facebook. Uh, I like Facebook, honestly, a little bit more. My primary demographics, uh, mostly women, uh, 40 to 65 plus Christian conservative married homeowners. Um, and so I resonate within private groups um, and, and really kind of cultivate the kind of a giving mentality mindset of just genuine people at Redline Steel, the company I own. Uh, we've got a VIP group, an elite group. And uh, we've, we're able to do so much for different people and organizations because of this type of uh, giving audience. Um, and so, yeah, I, Colin Wayne One is my Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. So if you want to connect with wow. me there. Uh, it just seems like a lot of effort. Do you find that it's work to, to have such a big social media presence or do you feel like it's something that's just uh, that you're still excited to do every day, all day? I think that it's imperative. I think more now than ever. I think that, um, you know, th there's a lot of, we get labeled as the silent majority and that's, that shouldn't be the case. It's, we should be the loud and proud. Like we should literally be uh, vocalizing what's on our mind and not afraid of, of, of stating what's obvious. Uh, so if you have a platform and, and, you know, that's why you said, you know, hey, Instagram out of all of these are kind of the worst of the best. But, you know, censorship and, and it's, it's real. And I think that if you can use your voice for uh, a louder cause, then it's imperative to do it. Uh, I enjoy it. You know, I've, I've had it for over a decade now, and I think it's very important to the overall branding of anything that you're a part of or attributed to. Uh, it comes down to your name and your reputation, and are you willing to, to – uh, have pride and honor in what you're doing. And I think that's extremely important and it showcases kind of the value of what you stand for. You know, if you're partnered with organizations just for quick money, people are going to see right through it. But if you're transparent, um, and I do a lot of things based on a gantry chart of X, Y access, time, effort, energy, reward, and the reward doesn't have to be monetary. My reward is, do I genuinely want to do this? Um, and so I think looking at it from that perspective, it opens a lot of eyes of like, what do you want to be remembered for and, and, and proud to put your name behind it. I, and so I do want to talk about some of the stuff that you're doing because you have a lot of endeavors, but let's start with red line steel. Uh, tell us what red line steel is for those people who aren't familiar. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, red line steel is, we're the largest customized steel manufacturer in the nation. Uh, even President Trump purchased a flag from us, and uh, he, he sent me a, a thank you note that he signed when he was in the White House. And uh, I actually got a selfie with him while we were in uh, Made in America Week in July of 2019. 
Um, and, and we make wall art decor, so patriotic, uh, Christian faith-based, custom monograms like you would see on someone's front door, beautiful steel flags. Uh, even though Redline Steel is our name, we, we do a lot more than just steel. We, we also offer uh, canvas. We're getting into welcome mats uh, and, and really anything within the home decor vertical um, is, is what we focus on. And it's all and- 100% made in the United States. Uh, right. Domestic raw materials. Um, and, and that's that's another huge component of what we do is, is domestic sourcing. Um, and it's been a huge challenge for supply chain. That, that's it. That, that, that's my next question is how challenging is it? And is it getting more or less challenging? Oh, it, it's the worst I've ever seen it. So for context, uh, we, we buy millions of pounds directly from the mill uh, from new core. And you can't get too much larger than them. Um, and we use thin gauge, 16 gauge cold rolled mild steel. Um, so it's not too thin, but it's like, it's, it's not like your typical cheap tin that you'd see from China at Hobby Lobby or some of these other, you know, large retailers. Sure. Um, but, but the challenge is, you know, steel meals being as backed up as they are, uh, the CRU index, cold rolled, uh, index is, is over 400 plus percent since president Biden took office. This is. This is historical in the sense that aluminum, for the first time ever in American history, is cheaper than mild cold rolled steel. It's never happened. So even sourcing domestically, uh, we're having to order from up north and Michigan and and different places that we have never as a company had to do. So in in addition to the 400 plus increase um, in cost on the material side, your LTL and freight hits tremendously hard as well so it's compounding efforts um last year we did over a million orders on our website direct to consumer and our shipping rates still went up that's not normal you know you look at inflation holistically across the board you're i think they're saying it's around 7.8 percent um you know the we're seeing a substantial increase on on the uh the steel side Um, which is our primary uh, domestic material. And you're processing, I think you said a million orders over the last year. And so if shipping is going up, I mean, that is just incalculable amount of costs uh, on your business. And how is that dealt with? I I imagine it's a combination of either you're, you're making less and thus you're, uh, you're able to pay your employees less and expand more slowly and create fewer jobs. And then you're probably passing it on to consumers as well, which means it's coming out of their pocketbook. I mean, it's just such a 360 uh, bad news here. And I, I want to know if your sense is that this is, there is, is the policies of the current administration you think are making things more difficult. Alex, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think that it's, well, for, for transparency, I own Redline 100%. We don't have investors, VC groups. We've you know, generated over $100 million in revenue uh, since I founded the company in 2016, and we bootstrapped everything. Um, this past year has been, uh, I'd say over the past 15 months, really since he took office, um, it's worse than it's, I've ever seen it. So even with more volume, you can't, you can't attribute or even comprehend the level of increase that we're impacted as a small business that isn't VC backed um, from from all components. Consumer buying behaviors are not the same. You know, if someone has to spend, you know, five dollars, six dollars on gas per, you know, for a gallon, uh, fill up their tanks now one hundred and twenty dollars. Inflation across the board, it has hit domestically where everyone is impacted and so small business in particular even if you look at the job market you know let's flash back six months ago eight months ago when the government was paying people to sit at the house and they can make more money doing that than to even be employed uh that's a challenge huge challenge and we're doing this to ourselves this is something that we you know i'm not okay with personally uh and, and i guess to take it another step you know McDonald's has a, whatever it is, $500 sign-on bonus, and you can start at $18 an hour or $20 an hour. In Alabama, that's unheard of. That's, that's not normal. I can't compete with that as a small growing business for general labor. 
right? And so, so you're hit with increase massively on the supply chain side and physical cost of goods, and then the shipping side, and then market attribution between Google, Facebook, and all these omni channels that are basically at war with one another uh, on the paid advertisement side. You look at iOS sure. 14, some of the attribution challenges that are taking place, and, and small businesses across the nation are, are significantly hit hard um, because of this. And so it's, it's uncalculated. Uncal- um, and for transparency, I mean, I, I haven't paid myself since March of last year. That, that kind of goes to show I'm just investing back into the company and I'm happy to be in the black um, most months. Do you, do you find that we're, as a country, do we, you find that we're doing enough to encourage entrepreneurs who are focused on Made in America and trying to run things through America and create more American jobs? Or, or do you think that almost sometimes you're incentivized to not do business here and to try to sh- outsource as much as you can? I think there's no incentive uh, for domestic suppliers. Like, um, you know, President Trump was trying to do a lot uh, from uh, tariffs uh, that, that, that took place. I think there's still a lot of room to go, but I don't see a lot of economic incentives. I know President Trump put in the, um, the, the fast uh, amortization schedule, and that was a blessing. It really helped. Um, but, you know, when you look at the Build Back Better uh, plan, there's nothing that's actually taken place. And, 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 you know, if you really look at his plan, he wants to unionize everything. And, and so we're getting closer to a communist uh, country. So, you know, I, I don't think that there's enough being done. And I don't think there ever has been enough, which is why I'm, I started another business, a software company, uh, that, that my intent is to bridge the gap between domestic suppliers, vendors, 3PL groups, Uh, and actual merchants that are selling and sourcing goods online. Um, Because, you know, if if not me, then who? I'm not going to sit back from Alabama and do nothing about it. If I can make an impact and create stability in this unstable market, then that's what I'm going, yeah, that's what I have to do. I feel a calling to do that. Colin Wayne, again, is my guest. He is an entrepreneur, and he's someone who's just an amazing backstory that I think people will all want to hear. Redlinesteel.com uh, for the home decor, which is really terrific stuff, and I think probably a lot of people in the audience probably have your products, Colin, I'm guessing, just based on the numbers, and they're probably refreshed to hear you on a show like this. It means a lot for you to come by. Uh, tell me a little bit about Drop drop Hook uh, before I let you run. Yeah, thank you. So. Drophook is a software company that I started about eight months ago, and it's still in development. Um, we're, we're looking to launch in late Q3. We're onboarding vendors right now that are uh, domestic manufacturers, uh, fulfillment distribution centers, and, and really the biggest thing is uh, take dropshipping, and our tagline is dropshipping reimagined. When I think of dropshipping, I think of China, India, you know, uh, Pakistan. I'm thinking of, can I trust these suppliers? How long are these lead times to get to my customers? Mitigating chargebacks, risk. Uh, so just a lot of risk. Um, I want to totally um, reimagine the entire dropship landscape and provide through technology a direct integration with uh, vendors to source their products to thousands of merchants and add products to their store with one simple click and no cost to the end uh, merchant or vendor um, and, and, and really just be a, a, a transaction-based uh, organization and provide value. I think that's, if, if we've kind of, if you've listened and you tuned in from the very beginning of this episode, it's a lot of it has been value-based and you can do so yeah, much when you attribute and give more than what you're expecting for in return. And it'd be nice if we had a government that encouraged that sort of stuff, but instead we kind of encourage people just to save a few pennies in China. Uh, Colin, uh, plug anything uh, you like. I like for people to keep an eye on you online and what you want to do, drop hook, et cetera. Tell us where to go for all this stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, so drophook.com, uh, you can see a little bit about what that would entail. Redlinesteel.com is our main home decor website. Um, and again, we're veteran-owned, organized, uh, small, I'm, I'm uh, 100% uh, 
made in America right here in Huntsville, Alabama. We've got over 150,000 square feet. Now, I'm really proud of, of America and what we, what we stand for. You know, I served seven years uh, in the military and three combat tours and uh, nearly killed in Afghanistan. And it's, it's really um, a shame to see where this country has really led the divide. I think social media is more of a catalyst more than ever. I think when you can um, start adding in so many different uh, or, or censorships, it really does cause a forced divide. And uh, I'm honored to be here, Alex. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, I appreciate it. And, and to everybody that's, that is supporting American-made businesses, good for you. I, I think that's more important than ever yeah. for you to kind of look around your house and think about where is this really made and, and, and are we making a significant impact to our economy? Uh, because this is the labor market. These are your um, jobs that are needed. We can't automate everything. So this is a necessity. Um, and I think that if people just self-analyze when you're going to these large retailers, uh, think about where these products are actually sourced and, and they yeah. um, hopefully they get into context of, wow, 95% of what's in my house is not made in America. That's a problem. And I think as Americans, we should see that as a problem and we need to fix it. Colin Wayne, really appreciate all you do. And we'll have you back. And we'll talk some more. Amen. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's all for today's broadcast. Thanks for uh, Jerome Hudson for handling yesterday's show. And thanks to producers Haley and Greg Eben for making the show possible. And all of you who tell 10,000 friends and family members about the podcast, very helpful. It helps us grow and get stronger and bigger. We appreciate you. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Oh,